All right. Great way to introduce the message today. There's a thousand pictures of me online, and that's the picture that they chose. Whoops. That's the picture that they chose, uh, was that little cartoony thing of me. So you're welcome for that. Uh, that picture is funny because uh, I am not Hispanic, and I am the most white person you will meet. And that picture makes me look the most Hispanic, so it's funny. Uh, so if you guys don't already know or you missed that introduction, my name is Dave Scott. And a fun fact, James is actually my brother-in-law. Uh, people ask us all the time, hey, are you guys related? Are you guys brothers? We're not. Uh, we're brothers in Christ. But we're brother-in-laws and uh, our wives, the ones who are actually related, they never get asked, like, hey, are you guys sisters? It's like, oh, they're sisters? We didn't even know. But they're like, hey, are you and James related? Because you guys are like, you look the same and you act the same. And we're always like, no, that's just how cool people act. So you must, you just got to get in, you got to get in the club. So, uh, but I'm stoked to be here today. Like James said, he's preaching somewhere else and uh, they're getting blessed with that today. Uh, and so I am excited to be here to continue this series that Pastor James started last week. And it's a series called Instimacy where we're looking at how to have real, tangible relationships in a world that's kind of centered on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. So last week, Pastor James started off by talking about the relationship that we have with a thing in our pockets, and that's our phones, right? And how these are great tools, and they've pushed us really far, and we've done some really amazing things, and they've given us some awesome stuff like Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. Well, TikTok is not great. If you have TikTok, just get rid of that. That's not great at all. But it's given us some really cool things, and it kind of pushed forward in some of those. Uh, but somewhere along the lines, things got a little messed up, right? Phones were cool at first, and then we started to see that we're looking at our phones more than we're looking at our families. We're looking at our phones and communicating with our phones more than we're able to sit across the table from somebody and have a conversation with them and look them in the eyes. And especially when it comes to hard conversations, right, we have those over text messages, even though we shouldn't, we know we shouldn't, but those text messages with the little passive-aggressive, angry, half-smiling, half-not-smiling face, right? You send that like, hey, get that stuff done. You do it in a text message, and it's, it makes it a little bit more difficult. Uh, and so things got a little messed up. And really, Pastor James challenged us to, to cut the ties with those things that are in our pockets. They're not bad, but we've got to use them in a better way. And maybe that means we use them less often. And so I want to go with that, but I want to take it a little further. And to help me do that, I'm going to tell you a little story uh, about sometime back in the ancient times of 2020. So 2020 started off really great. For our family, it was awesome. 2020 was primed to be this really cool year. It started off really well. We had made some health decisions, and so we were uh, changing the way that we uh, were active, changing what we ate, all those kind of things. And it was really good. And uh, come early March, we had heard some rumblings and some murmurs of this thing called COVID, right? We didn't really pay much attention to it because it was on the news. And if you watch the news, you're not getting the news. You're getting lied to. And so we were like, ah, COVID, whatever. It's great. That's not great. I don't, I don't know. It's a thing, right? So early March, we were like, whatever. Uh, but early March, my wife at the time was teaching at uh, Norfolk Christian Schools and my daughter was going there. She was in pre-K three and early March, the first week in March was their spring break. And so we said, you know what? We haven't done this before. Let's just take a trip and we'll go up to D.C. for a few days and we'll hang out up there. I love the nation's capital. I think it's great. There's lots of history. There's lots of art. There's lots of monuments. Great things to see. My daughter will see it. She won't remember it, but it'll be fun. We'll have a great time. 
So we went there early in March, and for me it was a first because DC, if you've ever been to DC, you know that it's two things, full of people and hot. And it wasn't either of those things. It wasn't hot, and I was like, this is great. And then I was looking around, and I was like, there's nobody here. This is weird. There should be people here, but hey, we're going to enjoy it. So we got to go do all kinds of things. We didn't have to wait in line to take pictures in some of the monuments. And uh, we went out in front of like the Capitol, and there was literally nobody there except for one security guy. And he was like, take pictures while you can. This never happens. And I was like, I know, it's great. And we went back to the hotel, and my wife, uh, like I said, she was a teacher, and she got an email. And it was weird because the email was like, hey, just to let you all know, spring break has been extended for the month. So you don't have to come back until the end of the month. We'll let you know what's up. And this is due to regulations from the governor and all this COVID stuff. And my wife and I were talking and we were like, this is odd. Like, I don't, I haven't been paying much attention. It can't be really that bad, but I guess it is that bad if they're telling us to take the whole month off. And so congratulations, you got spring break for a month. Well, what are we going to do for a month? uh with our three-year-old this is cool this is great this is fun fast forward as many of you know from there it escalated very quickly uh almost like the next day they said hey school's actually canceled for the rest of the year your kid is now automatically in pre-k-4 regardless okay many of you were also told hey you're gonna work from home now we're not really sure how because this isn't a work from home job but we're gonna figure some things out some of you may have even been told, hey, you don't work anymore. Uh, okay, that's interesting. Uh, gyms got shut down, so you couldn't go work out anymore, right? Everything was just escalating really quickly. You couldn't even go out to eat. You could, you could go through a drive-thru somewhere, and Chick-fil-A, of course, they had it figured out, but Chick-fil-A had all kinds of new stuff. And then if you did find a place that was open somewhere, you could go in and you could sit, but it was going to take you like twice as long to get a table because they had half staff. And even that half staff was working at like one fourth capacity because the tables had to be socially distanced and you couldn't sit across from anybody. You had to be 10 feet apart from people if you were sitting down, but six feet if you were standing and three feet if you were across the table from somebody else that you didn't know, but you had to have a mask on only if you sat over there. But if you sat over here, you don't have to wear a mask. And it was a complicated process. And going to the grocery store was like preparing for battle and God forbid you walked out of the house and forgot your mask somebody would tell you you forgot your mask this was a nightmare right and what's the term that they used to describe this period lockdown lockdown and it was kind of an adequate term right like that's what it felt like you were all of a sudden you had to work from home you had to eat at home you had to play at home you couldn't even go to church, right? You had to do church from home. Everything was at home. And for a while, that was okay, because what was waiting at home? The internet. The internet. This is great. Couldn't be a better time to have this pandemic happen, right? Because we'll still stay connected. We've got Facebook, we've got Zoom, we've got Instagram, we've got Microsoft Teams, we've got, you name it, we can stay connected. And for a while it worked. It was great, until it wasn't, right? Now, I'm not here to debate any of the COVID logic with you, any of that stuff. If you think the vaccine is the mark of the beast, it's not. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you think it's the Savior, the vaccine is going to save everybody, it's not. Jesus already did that, right? I'm not here to debate any of the logic with you, any of the science. I've got my opinions, you've got your opinions, but none of that matters right now, okay? So we're not talking about any of that stuff. That's for another time. That's for another place. I don't have all the answers, but... I will say, 
that the lockdown period highlighted something that most of us as people or even as Christians already knew, is that we can't do life alone. Because over and over, after the fun part of it, I guess, I don't even know, how do you describe that, right? The initial part where it's like, oh, we get to work from home and be online all the time. After that wore off, people started to realize, I, I want to be around people. I can't tell you how many people, when stuff started to get uh, let loose, right? Like the lockdown stuff started to get uh, looser and looser and you could go out to more places and you could go do more things and we could go back to church and all that. I cannot tell you how many people I heard say this phrase, man, it's good to be around people because we knew something was off. Something was not right. Something wasn't working the way that it was supposed to. And it's this idea that we can't do life alone. If you're taking notes today, which I hope you are, uh, the title of my message is Life After Lockdown. Life After Lockdown. So you can write that down if you are taking notes. Now, I've already given you the ending of the story here, and that's the point that we can't do life alone. We are made for community. We're not made to be alone. We're not made to be disconnected from people. We're not made to live in isolation, but we are made and designed to be in community just as God is in community with himself. Now, I say that, and you're like, that sounds weird. How can you be in community with himself? Let me read this verse. We'll talk about it. In Genesis, right in the beginning of the story, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, here's what it says. Uh, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So this verse starts with God saying, let us make. Now, if you're new to Christianity, this is a weird idea, right? Let us make. Who's he talking to? He's creating people here. How is he talking to somebody? He's talking to himself, but himself is three people. Actually, if you're not new to Christianity, this still sounds weird, right? Like I've been in the game for a long time, and the whole Holy Trinity thing is really hard to understand and hard to grasp. It's like the three corners of a triangle. They're three distinct things, but it's all one. It's very hard to understand, and I get that. And I would love to go into the depths of that and look at the Hebrew and Greek and all that. It'd be so much fun for me because I'm a nerd, but it'd be really fun. But we don't have time to do all that. I get it. It's really hard to understand, but it's really hard to grasp. And that's okay because we have a God that if we could understand everything about that God, he's probably too small of a God. And so for there to be things that we don't understand or don't quite grasp or don't fit into our human logic, that's probably a good sign that this is the direction that you want to go. Because if he is somebody that you understand completely, that's, that's a little sketch. Just my two cents. So it's hard to understand. We're not fully meant to understand that. But we have a God who is with himself at all times in three distinct personalities. We have God the Father, God the Son, which is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And so who's he talking to here? He's talking to himself. And what does he say? Let us make mankind in our image, our likeness. So it's God's likeness that he's creating humanity in. And a lot of times this gets thrown out and this is like, well, this is, this is why we look the way that we look. This is why we have a nose. This is why we have two feet, two hands and all that stuff. And this is the design of God. And I think that that's true, but I think it goes even further than that. If we are in the image of God, then we reflect him in how we look, but also our characteristics, our mindsets, our innate desires should reflect that 
of God. And one of those mindsets, one of those desires that we have is to be in community with other people, to be around other people. See, God designed us in his image and God is in community with himself. So we weren't designed by a solitary single God. We were designed for community by a God who is in community at all times before time even existed. God designed us so that we would not have to be alone. And we know this. God flat out says this. A little on later down in the story, in Genesis chapter 2, same book, Genesis 2 verse 18, it says this, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And as we read further, it goes on to describe how uh, Eve is taken out of the rib of Adam, the first man and woman, and how they are in marriage, one being that fully reflects all aspects of God. Male and female, he created them. Both of those together, joined in marriage, make the full image of God. But we see here that God outright says, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for people to be alone. It's not good for a person, for you or for I, to be alone. None of us were ever designed to go through life as the lone wolf. And real quick, I want to talk specifically to the men for just a moment. Women, this applies to you too, but I want to talk specifically to the men. You're not called to be a lone wolf, to go through this on your own. Do you know what happens to a lone wolf? They die. They die out. Wolves are pack animals. They're created to be in a pack, to be in a community. They hunt together. They have strategies together that make them more successful, and the life of the pack continues versus living on their own. The lone wolf doesn't make it far. Men, you're not designed or created or intended to be a lone wolf. You weren't created for that. You were created much more than that. You were created to be in a community, to surround yourself with other men who can help you lead, who can help you be a better spouse, who can help you be a better father, all of those things. And so men, it is so crucial that you find other men who you can surround yourself with, who can pick you up when you fall down, but also can call you out on your BS. You need that in your life. Somebody who's gonna say, yeah, you got things going on in your life and I get it, it's hard, I'm here to help you, but also you gotta cut that out because that's not good for you and that's not where you need to be. Men, you are also, if you're a dad, you're called to be a dad. You're not a babysitter. You don't babysit your kids. You're a dad. You are leading your kids into and developing them into the people they are going to be for the rest of their lives. You play a crucial part in their lives. You're not a babysitter. You're called to be a lot more than that. Men, if you are husbands, you're not called to just sit back and let your wife go to church and drag you to church, but you're called to be the leader in your family and lead well, lead them in a loving way, lead them towards God, lead them in a way where they would say, of course I want to follow that man. He's a godliest man I know. Why wouldn't I want to follow him? That's what you're called to do. And the way that you do that, the best way to do that is to get around other men who are going to bring that out of you, to bring the best version of you and to help you create the best version of you. That's what you're called to do, not live life alone. Society's done a really great job at making men out to be the dunce, right? The dad is always the dunce or the butt of the joke. You're not. That's not who you are. 
You weren't created for that. You weren't intended for that. But you are loved and cared for by a God who created you in His image, and you're called to be much, much more than just somebody who passes through life. You're called to be more. And the best way to do that is to be around other men. Men who are going to bring the warrior out of you. Men who are going to bring the king out of you. Who are going to help you learn about the lover that exists inside of you. And they're going to help build upon the wisdom that you have right now. And I would challenge you, if you're younger, maybe you're not a dad, maybe you're not a husband. One day you might be one or both of those things. Surround yourself with some older guys. Older guys have been through some stuff. They know. Their knees may not work the best, but they know about life. They've been through some things. They've seen some stuff. Get around people that can build you up. Now, all this stuff that I said just doesn't apply to men. There's some stuff that also applies to women. Women, you should be around other women too and learning from them and all that. We're all supposed to engage in community. But men seem to get a bad rap when it comes to how they're viewed in society and TV and sitcoms and all that stuff. And it's craziness. Uh, but for what all I just said, any of that for it to come to fruition, we have to be willing to be the church that God has called us to be. We have to get off the screens. We have to get off the couch. We have to go outside. Engage with other people. Be around other people. We have to make meeting with other believers a priority. We have to get back to our roots as a church. And here's what I mean when I say roots. I want to show you something. Uh, it's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. In Acts uh, after Jesus has died, risen again, and he's ascended back into heaven, one of his disciples, Peter, Jesus' best friend on this earth, uh, Peter is preaching this sermon, preaches a fire sermon, and people are like, this is awesome, I want what you're selling, I'm going to respond. And when he preaches that sermon, 3,000 people that day get baptized, and more and more and more over the next several days and possibly years. After that happens... Acts describes what the church looks like, how they behave. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Real quick, everything in common. Doesn't mean that they like the same shoes. Doesn't mean that they like the same designer clothes. Doesn't mean they had the same donkey that they went to work with. Doesn't mean any of that stuff. What it means is they had a foundational belief that Jesus was who he said he was, did what he said he would do, which is raised from the dead. And because of that, nothing else matters. It's Republican, Democrat, independent, whatever you are, doesn't matter. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I do. Awesome. We're best friends. We can disagree on the rest of the stuff. None of that other crap matters. Forget about that stuff. Leave it at the door. Jesus is what matters. When it says they had everything in common, that's what it means. Okay? You don't have to like the same person or vote the same way or believe in the same systems. It's fine. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Great. We buds. Excellent. Fantastic. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Okay, mind-blowing moment right there. Anybody that needs something. Oh, you need this? You need help with that? Yo, I got an extra plot of land. I'll just sell that and give you the money so that you can get whatever help you need with whatever that is. How cool would that be to be a part of a community like that? Anyways, going on. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. 
and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I don't know about you guys, but this is a group that I can get behind. I want to be a part of that, right? Like they got together every day. They gave to anybody that had a need. They worshiped together. They prayed together. They played together. They relaxed together. They sang songs together. Talked about life together. They did everything together. They got together every single day. And it was like, oh, if you're a part of this community, then that's just what you do. Right? Because how did it end? What was the last section? The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So that means that people saw this. People witnessed this activity. They witnessed this community and they said, I, I want to be a part of that. Something's different about them. Something I've never seen before. They get together every day and they're happy about it. It's not a chore to meet with people. This is incredible. And I wonder today if non-Christians would say the same thing about those of us who have said yes to following Jesus. Would they say, wow, they get excited to meet with people in real life and they go and hang out during the week at people's homes and just have a good time being around each other? Or would they say, well, they go to church on Sunday, but I can do that. I mean, I have more engagement with people on Facebook and Instagram throughout the week than they have with real people in their real life. So what's the difference? I don't, I don't see it. I don't know the answer to that question. I'm just asking. I wonder how it is that people outside the church view us. Do they see anything different about how we operate? Because they did in Acts. And that's kind of a sobering reality, right? And again, I want to restate something that Pastor James said last week, and I'll say it too. Phones are not the enemy. They're not the tools of Satan, right? Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff, they're good things. They're, they're good things. They do some really cool things. You get to keep in touch with family that you can't always uh, keep in touch with. I mean, 30 years ago, to keep in contact with somebody that lived states away, you had to write letters and make phone calls on phones that were attached to walls. So what we have is good. They're good things. But too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. They're tools. And just like any tool, if you take a screwdriver and go around and screw in everything that's already screwed in in your home, your home's going to be jacked up. We've got to use them when they're good, when they're useful. Use them like they're supposed to be as tools. We have to get out of the house. We have to engage with real community. Have real, meaningful, and impactful lives. And the only way to do that is to be around real people. I want to show you some statistics, um, or rather read them to you. And I thought these were interesting. From 2020, Gen Z adults are the most likely to say they have felt very lonely during the pandemic. More than 6 in 10 Gen Z adults, 63%, agree with this sentiment, compared with 53% of millennials, 43% of Gen X, 35% of boomers, and 17% of older adults. Gen Z adults and millennials are the most likely to report negative impacts on their relationships due to the coronavirus pandemic. 63% of Gen Z adults and 61% of millennials. Nearly half of all adults, 47%, report negative effects on their relationships due to the pandemic. Further, the majority of adults, 61%, say they could have used more emotional support than they received over the past 12 months. But this proportion swells to more than 8 in 10 Gen Z adults, 82%, who said they could have used more support. 
We saw rises in domestic violence, depression, anxiety. And according to UNICEF, more than one billion, with a B, children are at risk of falling behind due to school closures aimed at containing the spread of COVID-19. That was in 2020. Many are on direct track for poverty if they haven't already arrived at that line. Isn't it interesting that the youngest, most connected generation, is what they're called, is the one that was most affected by this. Almost as if they don't know how to have a real, meaningful relationship outside of what they see on their screens. All that happened during the lockdown period. In some cases, it's still going on. There's still some measures of trying to keep people away from each other. And again, I'm not here to debate the virus, okay? Not here gonna go into any of that stuff. What I am saying is I am saying that for any reason, we cannot forsake meeting with other people in real life. Can't do it. We can't do it. We knew this and all these numbers point to what happens when we put that in place, where we separate from people. We are designed to be around people. We are not meant to disengage and just disappear from the world. We can't do it. Paul, he actually states this. Paul is a writer of the majority of the New Testament. His story is really great. Meet me afterwards. I'd love to tell you a story about Paul. Don't have time to do it today. But Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And there's one book where he's writing uh, to a group of Hebrews in a book aptly titled Hebrews. And he's giving them all kinds of encouragement, giving them a little bit of history, telling them, hey, here's, here's how you guys should operate. Here's some things that are going really well for you. I just want to give you some encouragement. Here's something he says. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. What he's talking about here is the sacrifice of Jesus. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And here's what I love, what he says. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Paul gives us this call to spur one another on. Don't stop meeting with each other. Finish strong. Stick it out. Stick together. Do this together. We draw near to God when we draw near to what God loves. And God loves His people. God loves His church. His church is not a building. It's not this place. We could meet outside and still be a church. The church is us. It's the people. We are the people that make up the church. And that's worth clapping about, but it's, it's a sobering reality when we look at those statistics and we look at the past and we see how easy it was for us to say, yeah, I'll just stay home. Yeah, I'm not going to engage in that. It's fine. I can just look at it online. It doesn't work. It's not the same. It's just not. You can get some of it. And again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. There are times where maybe you can't make it in and that's it, whatever, right? But there's a difference to being around people and having a connection with a real life human being. 
In order for us to actually be the church, we have to take some action. And that's why we make it easy to engage in this community, right? Now, here's what I'm not asking you to do. I'm not asking you to meet up with people every single day. They did that in Acts. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just telling you what they did in Acts, right? I'm not telling you to give to anybody that has a need that's in your community, right? I'm not saying that at all. They did that in Acts. And I think it would be pretty cool if you knew when you came here on a Sunday, you knew you could reach out to somebody and say, hey, I have this need. And they were like, I got you. Good to go. I think that would be pretty cool. I'm not asking you to do that, though. I'm just saying they did that next. That's all I'm saying. What I am telling you to do, or asking rather, is you look at these verses and you look at what the lockdown policies and procedures produced on mental health, relationships, education, depression, anxiety. You look at all of that and you say, nah, that's, that's not it. We can't. We can't not be together. We can't not be around people. We have to engage together. We have to step up. We have to be that community that we so longingly desire. We be what we want to see. And so that's why we make it easy. We have an app that we talk about every single week. I think Pastor James mentioned it in one of the videos. If not, we'll put up a slide here later. But we have an app where you can go in and you can sign up for anything. You can sign up for groups, which if you haven't, sign up. Sign up today. Groups are a huge part of what we do. Groups are exactly what I'm talking about today. Groups are how we meet throughout the week and we spur one another on. We encourage each other. We hear each other's stories. We hear each other's struggles. And we step in and we say, hey, I've been there. I've done that. And here's what worked for me. Or we just sit there and listen. Because sometimes you don't need to talk. Sometimes somebody just needs you to hush your face and listen. You don't always have to have something to say. You don't have to listen to respond either. Just listen. So sign up for a group if you haven't done it today. If you have signed up for a group and you've been going, also by the way, don't just sign up and don't go. Sign up and go. If you have been going, take the next step. Maybe you haven't signed up to serve. And look, I'm not asking you to serve because we need something from you, right? I'm asking you sign up to serve because it's another way of engaging in this community and you get to use your gifts to benefit those who might need it. There might be somebody in here who can benefit from your gift whose life will be forever changed because you decided to serve. And we saw that a couple weeks ago when we saw nine people get baptized. Those people never would have been baptized if it hadn't been for the people that make this place their home and give up their Sundays to say, I'm going to get there early, set it up, because I know that someone there is going to interact with God in some kind of way. Maybe it's new, maybe it's old, maybe it's fresh, whatever it is, they're going to have an interaction with God, and so I would gladly give up a few hours of my Sunday so that someone can sit in a chair and experience God. So sign up to serve if you haven't. Be a part of what's going on. But these are how we engage. These are what we do to step up and be the church that looks like the church in Acts. Let's not sink back into lockdown mode or if you're still kind of in that mode, don't, don't stay there. Don't stay there, but step out. And yeah, sometimes it's hard-ish, right? I say that because I think beating cancer is hard, but I don't think meeting with a person is hard, right? Beating some kind of deadly disease, that's hard work. That takes a fight. Scheduling your day out appropriately, that's not hard, especially when we do have phones that will do our calendar for us. It's not difficult. And here's the thing. We can't live in that mindset because we can't relegate our relationships to an interface online. You can never hug that interface. 
You can never cry with that screen. That phone isn't going to share your joy. That phone isn't going to share your pain. But people will. Somebody in this room might. Somebody that you don't know yet. So sign up for a group. Real relationships happen and are fostered in real life. That's just the way that it is. We were made to be in community. We weren't made to be in isolation. We weren't made to engage with screens all the time. Real, tangible relationships. Yeah, sometimes it takes work, but the easy way is not always the best. And if we look back 10, 20, 30 years from now, is it really the easy way? Or are we going to look back and be like, man, I missed it. I missed it. I missed those opportunities. I could have been a part of something that was so much bigger than me. But I missed it. Because it took the easy way. It doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to miss it. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. What we're doing here is a part of something that's been going on for thousands of years. And you have the opportunity to engage. And I think it would be so cool if you decided to serve or join a group. And years from now, you're in heaven. And someone comes up to you that you don't know at all. And you say, hey, thanks so much for stepping up and joining a group. Because you joined a group and shared your story, my grandparents, one of them, decided, you know what? I'm going to hang out on this earth a little bit longer. And because of that decision, I was able to enjoy my life. So thank you for joining that group. Hey, thank you so much for stepping up to serve. You don't know me, but my parents went to that church and they encountered Jesus and it was before I was born and you ended up doing what we never had a chance to meet, but because of what you said and what you did at that church and you poured into their lives, I'm here today. And I get to share in this experience with Jesus for all eternity. So thank you for using your gift. You play a part. And you have an opportunity to join in something so much bigger. And let's engage in real relationships. You know, we do something every week here called communion. And uh, when you came in on your seats, there was a little cup. And uh, if you peel the top layer, there's like a little cracker in there. And then the next layer is the juice. So just when you open it, open it away from you. If you don't want uh, grape juice stains. But we get a chance to do this every single week. And we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Jesus came here, lived the perfect life, and died the death that we deserve, took all the sin of humanity, past, present for Him, and future, our sins, took that on Himself as punishment, the perfect punishment that we deserve, so that we could have a real relationship with Him. So that we could live in relationship with Him now, here and now, then and there in heaven. And He did that because He loves us. And He loves all people, whether they have a relationship with Him or not. But we now have the opportunity to share our relationship with Jesus with others and foster that relationship, which could lead to a relationship with Jesus on their end. But the only way we can do that and share the real story of Jesus is by engaging and being an active part in the community. So let's make life after lockdown look a lot better than it did during, and let's make it look better than it did before. 
Let's disengage with the screens all the time and build some real relationships. Because I don't think Jesus died for us to be comfy Christians that sit on our couch and watch TV church on Sundays and then forget about it the rest of the week. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture, and I have a hard time believing that. I think He's called us to more than that. And I think we're capable. We just have to take the first step. So I want you to remember that sacrifice. I'm going to say a prayer. Uh, you guys are free to take communion at any time. God, thank you so much for giving us just an awesome day where we get to come in here and talk about your word, talk about what it is that you would have us do, God. And God, I hope that this uh, resonates with some people. I hope that, uh, that what I said was good and that you would, you would uh, just really plant a seed in somebody that they would say, you know, I've been on the sidelines for a long time and I need to engage. I need to be a part of, of what you're doing. Because God, it's not about me. It's not about the people that even uh, come in here and set up. But God, it's what you're doing through us. And God, I just want to thank you for allowing us to be used by you. It's incredible to see what you've done with this place already with having uh, nine people in one weekend get baptized and four people before that. It's amazing just to see the relationships that have already been fostered, the lives that have been saved. And God, I'm so excited for what you have in store for us moving forward. God, help us to remember that you died so that we could have a full life here and now, then and there, and that we can engage with others and lead them to a journey with you. God, we love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen.